0: everyone. I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Hello and welcome back, awesomes. You are listening to the show that is all about helping you be smart, Strong and social. We are in your earbuds every single week with all the awesome that you need to know. And you can also find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or over on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. This is episode 123 of the show. And as you all know, we are now officially in the holiday season. We hope that you enjoyed our recently released Sorta Awesome Gift Guide for 2017. And we hope our suggestions are making your holiday shopping a little bit easier. You know, our listener supporters got early access to that episode. They also got the full-length, unedited, and uncensored. (laughs) Which, oh no, poor them. (laughs) It had some real... moments moments why would a gift guide need to be censored you might be asking yourself (laughs) i will say that's
1: hands down the hardest i've ever laughed recording this show ever 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 and that's saying something
0: (laughs) we had a great time with that one and like i said our listener supporters got the whole episode of that recording so yeah, there was a little adult humor in that unedited version. And one of the perks of becoming a listener supporter of Sort of Awesome is that you occasionally get early access to episodes as well as all of our past taboo episodes that we've recorded. All of the episodes that have gone out to our supporters are yours when you become a supporter of Sort of Awesome. To find out how you can do that, you can go over to SortofAwesomeShow.com support. So, yes, Laura is here. You heard her lovely voice here with me for episode 123 of Sorta of Awesome. We're going to go back to our roots today on Sorta of Awesome. Those of you who have been with us for a long time or who have gone back to the very beginning and listened to every episode of Sorta of Awesome know that we started out with creating episodes for Sorta of Awesome that were grab bags of questions. We asked for questions from our listeners and we did our best to provide the most awesome answers we could come up with. And so, Laura and I thought it would be so fun to go back to that today to collect some questions that you all have, and we're going to try to tackle them. So yes, I'm joined by Laura Tremaine, my longtime friend, Sorta Awesome co-host, and host of the Smartest Person in the Room podcast. Laura, in our Facebook group that we created just for our listener supporters, we asked for questions, and some of them are a little bit personal. Are you ready for this? (laughs) I think so. You know,
1: I miss this format. When we originally used to do the question grab bag episodes, it was really fun. I think then we ran out of answers. I think that's what happened,
0: basically. We were like, that's it. That's all of our wisdom that we have. (laughs) (laughs) By episode 10, basically.
1: So I kind of do like the throwback. Although, you know, people, they just ask the questions, don't they? I'm
0: ready. I'm ready to answer them. Good, good, good. Okay, so we're going to get to all of that here in just a little bit. But first, let's go ahead and start this show the way that we always do with our awesomes of the week, the moment in the show, when we each share with you all about the books, the TV shows, the podcasts, whatever it is that is making our lives a little bit more awesome this week. Clara, what do you have? My awesome of the week this week is a digital organizational tool called Trello. Oh, you've converted to Trello. I know we've used Asana a little bit, but I can't wait to hear about Trello. Well,
1: Trello is different. And I know we've talked a ton about organization lately. Episode 120, I talked on and on and on about digital photo organization. Then our group show, episode 119 was called Digital Decisions. where We all talked about our methods of using paper planners or not. So yeah, there's a lot of organizational talk around here lately, but now's the time of year when I feel like people are sort of evaluating their systems. And I am making some work shifts in my life. And when I'm doing that, I'm really trying to like lean into what truly works for me instead of like what I think should work for me or what works for other people or whatever. Because a huge part of organization is figuring out how your brain works finding a system that makes sense. So to Trello, that's my actual awesome of the week, T-R-E-L-L-O. It's kind of like the Pinterest of list making. Interesting. Tell me more. It's very visual and very pretty, and it keeps all your lists organized on little boards. Again, sort of similar to Pinterest. It syncs seamlessly between your computer and an app on your phone, which is probably the most important feature for me for any system. I really need to be able to just grab what's ever nearest or when it pops into my brain and then have that sync to the other thing. You know, I'm a longtime Evernote user. Evernote has been my, like, organizational tool of choice just when I need to, like, jot down something I'm thinking about or a list or whatever, and I still – I'm going to use Evernote as my main keeper of information, but for my lists, I'm loving Trello. Now, I have many lists. I have a personal to-do list. I have a work to-do list. I have home to-do lists. I have wish lists. I have like someday in the future maybe lists. You know, I just have lists and they sort of get lost in my shuffle of Evernote information, a calendar for my family, like all of that stuff, like my lists sort of like are all over the place. So I'm using Trello just for that. It's really hard to describe such a visual thing right. on audio like this. but Right, right, totally. Think of it a little bit like Pinterest where you might have a main, you like name the list, this is my to-do list. And then you make little cards for each to-do item, like go to the grocery store, drop off the... Cookies you made, whatever. And so then in the card, you can have your actual little grocery list. Mm -hmm. And then in the drop off the cookies, you can have like the address and the contact person and the whatever. Oh my gosh. you can add the extra information to each little card of each (gasps) to-do. Wow. (laughs) This sounds amazing. (laughs) And when you're looking at it, on your laptop, when you're looking at it, it's all there on the screen. Again, like a Pinterest board. So you can sort of see, for me, I can see all the information. This is all the information I have. And then on your phone, it's also very pretty. You can also kind of add pretty backgrounds and colors and things. So it's just very visually appealing, which is a bonus to me because in Evernote or even just a lot of people use the Notes app on their phone. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's much. just like text, you know? That's handy and those do sync and all of that kind of thing, but it can get cluttery or something. Absolutely. It can get like a lot of text. We have a lot of text in those ways. Yes. When you sort of break it into this prettier way, there is something like mentally soothing about it. Yeah, I can see that. You know, and it's kind of like fun. You can move the cards around. Say you were supposed to drop off the cookies on Tuesday. Oh, no, wait. They changed it to Wednesday. So then you can just move that over to the other list.
0: I need this in my life
1: so much. It's like a drag and drop thing. And then you can also schedule things. So I have one for my online work. Let's say I have a whole board for my online work. And for my online work, I have several different things. I have Smartest Person in the Room. I have Sort of Awesome, whatever. Those each have their own list. But I'm looking at the whole board at once. And I can see all my different work projects and all the to-dos under each category. So for Smartest Person in the Room podcast, if I know that I need to have an episode done by a certain date. You can add a calendar. You can add a due date to that to do, and but not all your to dos have due dates. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So let's say that you're sitting down and you're overwhelmed about like what is due when amidst all this information. You can just click to a little calendar view, and then it will only show you the things that have a
0: due date attached to them. Actual due yes. dates. Oh my gosh, that's so, so then you're like, brilliant. Oh, okay. I'm totally gonna try it. Sounds amazing. I can tell by the glow on your face that this is making a profound difference in your life. Okay, so good. So my awesome of the week is my new favorite thing from Trader Joe's, and it's not a grocery item. It is their fish oil pills, (laughs) which if we had a sort of awesome drinking game, for sure fish oil would be one of the things where we would all take a sip because I talk about fish oil a lot. It really has changed my life. Bringing in omega-3s into my life as a supplement has made a really big impact on how I experience life. The biggest thing for me is because I talk a lot about being a highly sensitive person. My biggest sensitivities are sensory based in that I get overstimulated so easily when things are too loud, when the weather changes, especially during cold weather. I'm just very sensitive to cold weather when there's a lot of activity going on around me. I just get overstimulated so, so easily. So you can imagine that during the holidays, especially coming off of Thanksgiving week, when my kids were all home from school and we had family in and prepping meals and all of these things that I just, it's definitely a high alert sensitivity time for me. So I've talked about fish oil pills on here many times. I have been very loyal in the past to Nordic Naturals brand, which I still think is fantastic. They're a little pricey though. And The more intense the sensory environment is, the more I feel like I need to really up my dosage of fish oil. And so someone had posted, and I'm so sorry to say, I can't remember which awesome this was, but one of our awesomes posted in the Hangout group that she also, like me, had to take a significant amount of fish oil to kind of keep her brain balanced and even, and that she had used Nordic Naturals in the past but had tried the Trader Joe's store brand of them and found that they were completely effective. And that when you have to take a lot of them, that it makes more sense to do a little more price-effective one. So, you know, on the recommendation of an awesome, which how many of us can just say, an awesome told me to do it and it changed my life. <laughs> I decided to try it and I will be gun. but what, that isn't exactly right. So I've been using them for a couple of weeks now, but I really did notice last week. Oh my goodness. These are making such a big difference in how I'm experiencing, especially noise levels. Laura, I cannot tell you how crazy brain I get when things are too noisy, which again, I have four kids, including two four-year-old boys. So it's noisy here. This helps take the edge off of my crazy brain.
1: All right. Good to know, especially going into the chaos
0: of December. (laughs) The chaos of December. Here we are. So those are our awesomes of the week. You know, every single Friday in the Sort of Awesome Hangout group on Facebook, we open up the floor for you all to share your awesomes of the week. And you can find us over on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Sort of Awesome Hangout. Awesome's apparently tis the season to talk about skin because the awesome community has been buzzing lately with questions about how to find the best skincare means it's the perfect time to introduce you to Sorta Awesome sponsor, Tula. Tula is a skincare brand that combines probiotics with other skin-friendly superfoods to naturally balance and boost the health of your complexion. What makes Tula different from other products out there is that Tula was created and developed by Dr. Roshini Raj, a practicing gastroenterologist and mom to two who knows that when skin experiences a bacteria imbalance, it becomes susceptible to irritation, inflammation, and moisture loss. That's where Tula comes in. Now, I have been using and loving Tula's skincare line. I especially love their purifying face cleanser and their best-selling hydrating day and night cream. I can tell you that it is powerfully effective, but it's also gentle enough for all skin types and ages. If you are ready to light up the room this holiday season with a flawless and glowing complexion, or if you're looking for a great gift, you can pick out one of Tula's amazing limited edition holiday sets on their website. For 20% off of your purchase, visit tula.com slash awesome and enter promo code awesome at checkout. That's Tula, T-U-L-A dot com slash awesome and enter promo code awesome at checkout for 20% off. Thank you, Tula. right, Laura? Hot seat time. Here we go. Let's start with, speaking of hot seat, let's start with one of the hottest topics that people ask us about a lot. It's actually a topic that people have so many questions for us about that we've done two full-length episodes on this topic already, and that is the subject of friendship. We get lots and lots of questions about friendship. We've done an episode just covering kind of the basics of friendship. And then we also did one that was really fun called 10 Friends Every Woman Needs. We will put links to those in the show notes for this episode if you want to go back and refresh and re-listen to that. Our first question comes from Sloan, who said, I think it would be fun to hear about the origins of your relationship and how you've stayed close even as you've moved away from each other. So we have talked a little bit about through the years, Laura, that you and I, became friends through an unconventional method, (laughs) which was dating each other's ex-boyfriends in high school. I don't know. In our town, I feel like that is the conventional method. (laughs) In small town life, it is maybe more conventional. It's not recommended (laughs) for adult friendships. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) But that is the origin story of our friendship again. We've talked about that a number of times through the years. But I think a really great question... of Slyn's question here is how have we stayed close even though we have long since i mean it's been decades since we even lived in the same zip code so i thought that would be a fun place to start well it's a valid question because i think a lot
1: of people especially in the adult years have lots of friendship questions clearly because we get them all the time from listeners of those earlier friendship episodes I do want to say it's hilarious to me that people want to ask questions about friendship because I've spent many adult years really quite lonely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that people want to ask me about friendship is just one of those funny things in life. I, so what? Well, I've talked about my years of being pretty lonely. And then I've talked a lot about the years when I had little tiny babies and was chained at home a little bit more, that I made some online friends that absolutely changed my life. Making friends online, having people that you trust online that live in your computer. hmm Yep. Really got me through some of the hard, you know, probably the hardest time of my life so far was those online friendships that were there every day. Every time I logged in, of course, we ended up meeting in real life, but they're really true relationships that mostly went down on social media or over email or whatever, and that was a really big deal. And in this stage of my life, I just recently in the last couple of years when my kids started elementary school, got some local friends that has been very transformative. I didn't even know that I had this gaping hole I needed to fill, but having local mom friends with kids the exact same age with similar lifestyles and interests has been humongous for my life. But the one thing I will say about friendship, my biggest strength of friendship is that I have always had childhood friends.
0: Mm, Yes.
1: Yeah. Amidst all these other stages and, you know, degrees of loneliness or not loneliness, I have friends from our hometown and from my summer camp years, I went to summer camp for my whole childhood, that even some college friends I would consider that's still sort of childhood in a way because I met them when I was only 18. That have lived thousands of miles away always. I mean, not always, but since I've moved to Los Angeles, I've been here 16 years. So friends who have lived a long way away, but I've stayed in really good
0: relationship with, including you. That's so true. In fact, as I think about the history of our own friendship, even though we Became friends in high school and were very close. I was two years ahead of you. And also, my parents moved away from our hometown even before I graduated from high school. And so I didn't really go back to our hometown as much in college. And really, by the time you graduated high school and went off to college, we really had grown apart. I would say there was a good like eight to 10-year chunk of time when we really were not in contact except to exchange Christmas cards every year, basically. And then through the wonders of email (laughs) back in the mid-aughts, we connected along with two of our other closest friends from high school through email threads. When we would write like these epic emails between the four of us going back and forth. And that kind of evolved through time and was a great way that even just something as basic as email helped us stay connected. I think there's something really powerful about having those friends that have known you for a long time, that know the backstories, that know the history, that you have that shorthand with. And I do think that can be such a great anchor when you are going through those lonely periods. For some people that may be, you know, may not be childhood friends. It may be a sibling or you know, a cousin or somebody that you're related to. But I think that can make such a huge difference in kind of getting you through those friendship droughts, because something that I want to say is that it is very normal to go through friendship droughts and to go through lonely stages of life. Some of it is circumstantial. You may find yourself living in a community that's very closed off where nobody is interested in making new friends. You may find yourself in a career where you simply do not have time for friendship, that your career or your your studies or whatever it is takes all of your time. Or the opposite, you may be a new stay-at-home parent who feels like they're kind of chained to the house all the time. That... I think that that is such an important perspective to keep in mind, is that just because things are difficult in the friendship department at the moment doesn't mean that it always will be. Mm -hmm. I also
1: think, so, you know, we have a group of four of us from high school that started these email chains. This was sort of pre-texting. Now those would probably be text chains, even though we were very lengthy in our (laughs) emails back in the day. Yes. But now those would probably be like equivalent to text groups. And one thing about having a group like that versus just a single friendship, a one-on-one friendship, is that the onus isn't on you or on one person to keep the conversation going, to reply in order for it to be a volley, a back and forth, right? Right. With four of us, someone always replies. Like the conversation, right. sort of always going. So if you are checked out for a couple of days or you can't reply for whatever reason, the whole thing hasn't fallen off the map. Mm-hmm. Yes. I didn't even make that connection until now, but I do think that groups, and not everybody has groups available to them, if you will. Ours was sort of a natural. We were all four really good friends when we were young. We sort of reconnected as a foursome and had this ongoing, to this day, an ongoing communication And, you know, we check in at minimum once a month, but sometimes much more often than that. And a huge part of what keeps that going is that there's four of us. So someone can do the checking in. Yes. Someone new does it all the time.
0: Yes. That's so true. And I feel like depending on your personality that that can be such a relief. I am one of those people that I might have the best intentions And I have such warm and affectionate feelings towards my friends, but I'm not always great with following through and like shooting a text to be like, hey, how are things? I want to grab a cup of coffee. But that is so true that when there is a group dynamic there, that there's almost always somebody checking in to see how everybody's doing. And sometimes friendship as an adult looks like that, just like sending up a flare of just like, hello out there. How is everybody doing? (laughs) What is going on in your life?
1: And then see who shoots something back. Right. You know, because that's what I really like about it. Now, the actual question from Sloan was about you and I. Mm-hmm. Of course, listeners here, you and I interact, just the two of us, most of the time, even though you and I together are in multiple friendship circles, our hometown circles, of which there's more than one, actually, and then online circles that we run in. But you and I communicate in some way <laughs> Yeah, almost every day. Pretty fast. I would say absolute minimum, let's say four times a week. If we go a few days and haven't talked, I'm like, what is happening?
0: Both of us are like, are you okay? Is everything okay? What's going on?
1: So we text or we use Voxer a lot, a lot, a lot, or email for work stuff. Of course, we see each other's social media posts on Facebook or Instagram, which makes you feel clued in with people, this is a rabbit trail because I want to come back to my original point, but the thing about social media is while you keep up with people, you're not necessarily connecting with them. So Mm. sometimes I will see a friend, this has happened many, many times, I will see someone who very warmly like seems to clearly know what's going on with my family, but we've had no interaction. I don't know what's going on with their family because they're not the type of person who posts very often and I'm the type of person who posts every day. So... (laughs) They feel all caught up. Like, we are still close. And I'm like, we are not close. I don't have any idea what's going on in your life. So so that's sort of like the double-edged thing of putting yourself online is that people may feel like they're still in relationship with you. And that's not relationship. Right
0: right and that's so hard because we do have access to each other's lives in so many different mediums and so many different ways that it is very hard to balance out like who it's, i think it's a really a good question of self-awareness who am i actually in friendship relationship with right now who do i have that dynamic going on with and also being open to the fact that All of those mediums. So that's kind of a downside of having all these different ways to connect. But the upside is there are so many ways to connect that people who become friends via a Facebook group, like, for example, our sort of awesome hangout. I know for a fact that a number of real and strong connected friendships have grown out of people just seeing each other's posts in a Facebook group, like our awesome hangout community. That happens. Other groups that kind of coalesce in more non-conventional ways. There's so many ways to stay in touch. Texting for sure. Facebook. Again, I can't say enough about Voxer because it allows you to experience someone probably maybe the next best thing to being in person. You hear their voice you get a sense of what's going on in the background around them. You have time to really express your thoughts. And there's more nuance, I feel like, when you're actually having a conversation, which is what Voxer allows, than in texting. It's really powerful to build and maintain those long-distance friendships. So It is,
1: but the thing about long-distance friendships is, and even in some cases, all adult friendships, So you and I talk almost every day, communicate in some way every day. That has really amped up since we have two podcasts together. So we are talking, sometimes we have to force ourselves to talk about personal things because we talk about work so, so, so much, which is relationship and is like a deep part of our life. However, a long distance friendship, even a best friendship where I feel like I know you to like the soul of your being, I do not have any idea What your daily life looks like. It's so true. Right. I've never, hardly ever seen you parent. I've rarely seen you in a room with your husband. And same for you. Like you don't even know, you know, like we may not necessarily know the layout of one another's house. Like I don't know what you are like. Right. Outside of the two of us because we are long distance. And I feel like that point needs to be made that. When you are younger and you have a best friend, you are like so enmeshed and you know all of the things. You know their crushes, their food likes, what their schedule is, what, you know, their room looks like. Like all of the things you know. That's what we think of as best friendship. It's just this like total entanglement. I don't think that that's what most best friendship looks like as an adult.
0: Ooh, that's so true.
1: I don't. I mean, I do think that the, it exists that the best friendships who like live next door to each other and they are running back and forth between each other's houses and kids and all of that. That's a great way to do friendship. I envy that. I don't have that. That is not what – I have multiple best friends in different parts of my life. None of them look like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of them don't know or what our home routine looks like, what I'm like on a Saturday in my pajamas. They don't really know that part of me. Maybe, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I just, I feel like sometimes things will come up about you. Someone will say something about you. a mutual friend will be like, oh, well, you know, Megan's really into this. And I'm like, she is. What are you talking about? (laughs) I've never heard you talk about that or whatever. Like we might have very specific ways in which we connect. It doesn't mean that we aren't soul sisters or we don't love each other. I can absolutely imagine what you probably are like as a parent and as a wife, because I know you so well. So like Mm I have a general idea
0: of what that probably looks like, but honestly, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. It's so true. And so I think two things to come out of that. First of all, the people who do have the like in town, maybe next door, same neighborhood, whatever, back and forth all the time. Those are generally, I feel like, not the people that are asking questions about friendship. (laughs) Like their friendship well is full. And so that is wonderful. And again, I envy that in a lot of ways as well. But I think the other part of that is that friendship as an adult I think the best thing that we can do for ourselves is to be open and be flexible. Having an imagination about what friendship can look like now, I think, is one of the most gentle things that we can do for ourselves as we think about, like, why am I having such a hard time with friends? Maybe it's reexamining and maybe releasing your attachment to what you thought friendship looked like and opening yourself up to what the reality of friendship is as an adult. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: And not feel like you have to cling to this very certain thing. So not only – I love what you just said about it might not be what you think it looks like because you experienced a best friendship to look like this in the past and these new things don't look like that. But also to not hold so tight to what it has to look like in the future. Mm. Like I think sometimes we kill a friendship because – We think, okay, this person's only my friend of circumstance. We're only friends because our daughters are friends. And this is not going to be the person who is going to bring me a casserole when I'm sick. Like, just not this woman. I don't connect to her that way. She doesn't seem that way. Whatever. And so then you just put no effort into that because you're like, this isn't going to last 20 years. Mm. Well, what a waste of a relationship. That person might be the one, you don't even know, who might show up when you need them, and if they disappear after five years, or when the circumstance changes, that's okay.
0: Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Believing that the people that are in your lives are in your life for a specific reason in that season of life, I think can be so empowering when it comes to friendship. And yes, not projecting into the future. Who knows? Who knows what Not wanting
1: the po- it so badly to be like the sex in the city brunches or right. to be like the beaches where you're friends till <laughs> the end of your life. Like, you know, I mean, I hope those people come into everyone's life. I hope everybody has one version of whatever version they want of that at some point. But that just might not be your reality right now. So just
0: work with what you got. <laughs> yes. I agree 100% on that. Okay. That was just one friendship question. Again, we get lots of them and we definitely will continue this conversation because there's some really great conversations still to be had about like the practical things about making friends as an adult. We're going to get to that. That's a whole nother episode sometime in the future. But Laura, since you and I do talk so often and in so many different mediums, we really get to hear about the major themes. I feel like maybe I'm just like such a thematically based person. I'm always listening for this, but I really do feel like we get to hear the major themes that keep coming up in each other's lives. So one area where I have learned so much from listening to you is has been in the area of intuition, how you've really discovered the concept of intuition for yourself, what that has looked like, learning what it looks like to trust your intuition, to have the courage to act, because that's a huge thing, how to act on your intuition. So I would love for you to say more about how you found the concept in general and then what it means in your life, like how it has made an impact on your life. Well, the... Like, deep and
1: far-reaching effects of following your intuition is something that has actually come back into my life. When I was little, young, school age, I had and was aware of very strong intuition. I knew things immediately and with certainty. In fact, there's people in my family, like sort of half my family believes that there's like a lot of ESP or almost like,
0: you Interesting. know, yeah.
1: supernatural almost element to it. And then the other half of my family thinks that's all bunk. And so I
0: <laughs> truly lived
1: in the tension of like, is this real or is this not? But I knew when I was young, absolutely with certainty, all kinds of things. I don't mean the future. I just mean like in the moment I could walk into a room and know immediately a dynamic or I would know something, what was right for me, like to take this road or that road. And I would be like, oh, no, I just, it's like a non, I don't even need to think about it. Like, I'm going to take this road. I absolutely know it. It's not, I don't need to debate it or do a pros and cons. I just knew things. All the way up, I would say, until I was a young adult. And I knew that I knew them. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't, I didn't know that other people didn't know the same. (laughs) Until I was a little bit older, I was like, I thought everybody just like knew. I don't understand why everyone's having all these trouble with knowing. (laughs) I love that. <laughs> so as I got to be an older teenager and went to college, you know, things happen in life. Life can break you. I had some heartbreaks, I had some failures. More importantly, I had some intuition that was wrong. That I suddenly realized like I'm off. Maybe I'm not always right. I'm not always certain. This was the wrong decision for me or this was the wrong decision in general or I misread a situation or or whatever. Like I was wrong enough times coupled with some heartbreak, that I really got distrustful of my intuition and thought that that was all like kids play, that stuff from before. Like, oh, that was just when I was younger and I didn't have any problems anymore. No, that wasn't real. That was like false certainty when I was a kid. I lived a long time that way, with some major exceptions, like knowing I wanted to marry my husband some things about our physical home I knew intuitively when we looked at our physical home and and so there's some big major exceptions but in my day-to-day life just regular thing I didn't think anything was certain I got a little bit you know nobody knows anything about anything ever <laughs> right <laughs> for like a long time in the last couple of years I started noticing a few messages popping up in several different mediums either podcasts I was listening to or books or you know, somebody would say an offhand comment, and I started to feel like the universe was telling me a little bit that I needed to pay more attention to my intuition. And and it came from even surprising sources. You don't have to use a bunch of spiritual or woo-woo language around this. You can talk about gut feeling. You can talk about, you know, all kinds of different ways, like in my mind-body connection work, which we've just done a whole series on smartest person in the room about how passionate I am about the mind and the body. That was sort of coming in. All of this is coming in the last two years for me. At the same time, I was getting a lot of messages of like, there are ways to know things that are not on paper. I'm a very rational person. Like I'm drawn to the woo-woo, but I'm also really rational and logistical. And I leaned on that part for a long time. Like you make lists and you look at the data and you like figure things out. And just didn't necessarily serve me. hmm Right. And so I started to sit with myself and it wasn't meditation. I wasn't trying to clear my mind, although I do like to meditate, but this wasn't a clearing of my mind. This wasn't actually a listening and asking myself a question and truly listening. Sometimes I would maybe need to write a few things like journal or pray and that kind of thing, but I didn't seek advice necessarily. I didn't get outside opinions. I started to be, what
0: do I really feel here? Mm. So powerful and so hard to do, especially if you've gotten so used to turning down the volume on your intuition. It's- Oh, I had-
1: numbed myself in any number of ways. Mm -hmm. I can numb with food. I can numb with noise. Numbing with noise is my biggest fallback. I love to have something in my ears all the time. Now it's podcast. It used to be talk radio. Before that it was music when I was younger. I can numb with noise easily. It's hard to get quiet. It is. Sometimes we're scared to get quiet. And it's really hard to go with your intuition versus like what the data says, if you will. So I'll just use this totally made up example. But if everyone around you tells that this is a good person, you have no evidence that they're not a good person. They're a good person on paper. They look great. They're nice to everyone. People love them. Something in you says, this isn't right. Mm. This is absolutely not right. And you keep thinking, no, but They're great. And, you know, you just kind of keep forcing it because they're in your friend group or because they're whatever, any reason you might need to trust a person or like a person. It's really hard to go with your intuition and against conventional wisdom. To me, conventional wisdom should kind of win out most of the time. Yeah. And it's just not always true because conventional wisdom isn't taking into account this other level of life. And I think that we all have it. And I've been trying, I mean, it gets silly how much I've been doing it lately. I do it with what to eat. Oh yeah, definitely. Which, you know, intuitive eating is a thing that we talked about on um, Mind-Body Connection. I do it even with my to-do list. Now, granted, I have a bit of a luxury to be able to do like, what feels better to do right now? Should Mm. I work on this thing or should I feed myself in this other way? You know, all kinds of just like little decisions and big decisions, like with my kids, like should we go here or should we do this? You know, all kinds of decisions that we make. I have been trying to be guided as much as possible by my intuition.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'll tell you that most of the time, not every time, but most of the time, my intuition is not wrong. which is a revelation it is a revelation because it seems
0: dumb kind of well like you said it's hard especially it may not seem that dumb to yourself it's much harder to explain to someone out loud with words like i know intuitively this is what i'm supposed to do now I think the more you say it, the more you hear yourself say it, the easier it is. You kind of get to a point where you're like, I'm just I just need to you to know that on an intuitive level, I know this is what I'm supposed to do. But I do think that really any feelings of it being dumb are really just because we have become so practiced over time, particularly in Western culture, not just on an individual basis, but collectively in Western culture, we just become really practiced in turning the volume down on it. And it is a muscle that you have to exercise. And the more you exercise listening to your intuition, the more you realize how much it's pinging you throughout the day. You know? It is absolutely pinging you. It is
1: there. It is there for the taking if you just listen to it. It, It's way easier if it's only affecting you and how you're going to spend the next hour or how you're going to spend your next 10 years just you. However, it's a lot harder, like you should see my husband's face when we walk into a restaurant and I'm like, this doesn't feel right. (laughs) Yeah. A little trickier. (laughs) <laughs> and he's like, Really? Because we drove here and we have the kids and the car seats, and they're like, What? And I'm like, I just, I feel, I, this isn't, yeah, I feel itchy in my spirit. <laughs> Imagine okay. his face. I bet Jeff loves that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. But when you admit you feel itchy in your spirit or this doesn't feel right. And I'm not talking about like danger, danger. Like this isn't, we're not talking about stranger danger around here. (laughs) This is more just like this, this Mm -hmm. isn't, this isn't the best. Now, sometimes you have to do it anyway. Like you're there and whatever. Yeah. But it starts with being aware this wasn't right. Next time. I'm going to not try and do this or just this This wasn't right. Just the awareness alone is like light years away from living
0: on autopilot. It's so true. And sometimes the gift of intuition is it's just giving you a heads up. Like you said, sometimes you can't do anything about it at all, but your intuition is just like heads up, things are a little bit wacky here or whatever you want to call it. I'm going to itch your spirit. (laughs) But it gives you that little bit of foresight to know like things may not go well here. But I do think that the more you're open to it, the more you realize how much your intuition is pinging you throughout the day, throughout your weeks. And this came out in a very big and unexpected way for both of us. When we recently recorded and released episode 113 called, we don't know what we're doing, which spoiler, we still don't, (laughs) but I do think we have a better grasp on it because we went into that episode Like we just want to have an honest conversation about how we are struggling in some areas. We don't know what we're doing. We're not going to script it. It's just going to be casual conversation and we'll just put it out there on the line. But wait, may
1: I interrupt you to say we chose to take that format, which is not our normal format. We actually do produce these shows no matter what anyone (laughs) thinks. I know, right? It's true. We actually do produce and have points and beats that we want to hit and whatever. And for that show... For one of the first times ever, we both said, even using the word intuition, my intuition is we need to talk this out on air. Yes. We
0: had like never done that, really, from the beginning of Sort of Awesome. That one episode, we did do that. And I think on an intuitive level, I don't just think I know on an intuitive level, both of us, you and I both, walked away from that conversation with having our intuition become really loud and clear for us in a couple of ways. We heard from lots of awesomes that that episode, we didn't even know when we released it, we are like, what are we even doing putting this out? This is so specific to us. Is it going to be a waste of people's time? We didn't even know what we were doing. We just felt like we should have the conversation and put it out there. You and I both walked away from that. After it kind of settled in, like that conversation has really It helped me understand some things in a new way about myself. And it's helping to bring some change to our lives. And I was wondering if you could say – I have some things to say, but I was wondering if you could say a little bit more about what that episode meant to you.
1: Well, we came away from that episode, and then we didn't talk about it for, I don't know, two weeks maybe. I mean, we released it, and we did our normal show promo, and, you know, we went on. But we didn't talk about that we had both walked away from it being like, oh, gosh, and then when we did, you started it actually, which is unusual because I'm usually, I'm the real starter mm-hmm. in all my friendships, Yes, I'm the real like, <laughs> we need to talk about this. <laughs> but in this area, you were the starter and you said, listen, I've been thinking a lot about that episode and maybe some things that became clear to me. And I was so relieved you started that conversation. I was like, I have too. Because as we were talking through our strengths and our weaknesses and how we don't know what we're doing and it's really sort of affecting us that we don't know what we're doing. The thing that sort of shined clear for me was I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing, but it's not this.
0: Mm. Yeah. And that's scary when that's the message, right? It is scary. I think that's almost a more clear message
1: in lots of ways of where you can be like, I don't know what I like, but I don't like this.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah.
1: You know, and that's like whether you're picking bathroom tile or you're, you know what I mean, like anything. It's easier to identify, okay, not this, but I still haven't gotten to the big this, if you will. Mm -hmm. That's how I felt at the end of the episode. And it took me weeks to be able to talk with you about it because I love this show I enjoy podcasting. I love the community. I, there's like so many things I like. So it's scary to be like, I love this, but this isn't... It's one thing for me to say casually. This podcasting's not really my thing. And it was another thing to say like, this actually isn't my thing right now. Right. So we had the big conversation. This has been a while now. And we were both on the exact same page, which is a blessing because we're long... Time friends, and you've always, always, always been very supportive of me. And um, you've always like encouraged me to follow my true thing, whether this was when I was blogging, when I closed down my blog, when I was on Sorta Awesome, when we started Smartest Person in the Room, you've always been very encouraging. So it was also interesting that your intuition about the show itself and about my
0: involvement on the show we were totally in alignment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was so unexpected. It was so out of the clear blue sky that we both came to this realization. But I'm so glad that you said it took you a couple of weeks to even really be able to form the words around it because it's definitely been an ongoing conversation. So I don't want people to walk away thinking that an intuition moment always hits like uh, you know like a bolt of lightning like sometimes it does but sometimes it's more of a slow burn and then mm. you finally you're like oh there's a whole blaze here and i didn't realize <laughs> that mm. it had been burning but no there's a full blown fire here <laughs> and so yeah and so for you that means that you know on an intuitive level that the time has come that you're going to step away from our work on sort of awesome, because as we had that conversation, when we were talking about, we didn't know what we were doing, it did, it helped illuminate for you. Like I know actually what intuitively, I know what I am supposed to be doing. And, but that means that the time has come to bring some change to my schedule and how I spend my time. And that's going to mean stepping away from this other thing that takes an enormous amount of time (laughs) to create Yeah,
1: so I am not running away forever. I'm just (laughs) reserving, reserving that. Yes, totally. I hope that I come back and can do book shows or, you know, maybe another friendship show or any number of things because you and I love to talk to each other publicly.
0: (laughs) But (laughs) We can't seem (laughs) to stop. I don't know.
1: (laughs) So I hope to wander back in regularly we have some projects that we're both hoping for in 2018 to come to fruition that will probably be through this show and I want to stay involved in that, for that reason but my behind the scenes daily work on sort of awesome and then my regular rotation with the co-host is coming to a close at the end of this calendar year and this is a good thing and it's a scary thing
0: yeah yeah yeah, it's a scary thing for sure. As, as you are really confirming that on an intuitive level for yourself, the message that was coming to me was that it's time to bring some transformation to my work, to sort of awesome into what we're doing in the world. I feel like it really, like I had to get through 2017 to really have some clarity that this year has kind of beat us up a little bit collectively, that things in our collective culture are very different now than they were in April 2015 when we started Sorta Awesome. And that the time is more than right to bring some transformation and to really think about what are we doing with Sorta Awesome and what do we need to be doing? What needs are we going to meet? How are we going to fulfill our mission as we move into 2018? So that necessarily brings some change. So... It's a scary and exciting time, and there's lots of awesome possibility on the future. Of course, your words will be missed, but I am going to hold you to coming back and sharing more of them often, as often as you can in the midst of doing all the other work that you now know. Oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing over here.
1: Also, don't you find it interesting that when you change just one element, it can open the space? For all kinds of changes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Yes, yes. So we have done sort of awesome in a similar format from the very beginning. I mean, we maybe changed how we structure the show or whatever, but, but there's been the same co-hosts. We're on every Friday. We have, you know, there's a lot of things that have been the same, which has been great and wonderful. But when we decided to make one change, which is me stepping way back, it was almost like for you as the host and owner creator producer of this show, it was like suddenly there were a lot more possibilities of what we could do that you didn't even know were lurking back there that you didn't even know that you wanted to do necessarily because everything was clipping along just fine. But when suddenly there was a space in the editorial calendar, just a change, just a change. Not I mean it was a pretty big change, but just a change, all these other ideas and things started to flow in and cascade in. And I think that's true in everyone's life. If you change just one thing many changes can abound in a positive way.
0: It's so true. It is. It's so true. I love it. So. Hey, Galsons, it's the time of year when we love to roll out our favorite cold weather recipes, but sometimes I get so stuck in a rut of serving the same old boring meals over and over again. Thankfully, our sponsor Sunbasket does an amazing job of helping our family try new and delicious meals. Sunbasket is a meal kit delivery that is designed for the way families eat today. You can choose from paleo, lean and clean, gluten free, vegetarian meal plans. We love the family options they provide. It's all created by an award winning chef and approved by nutritionists. Sunbasket sends you a big old box filled with organic, sustainable ingredients right to your door, all pre-measured and ready to go. I super love that our Sunbasket meals get my kids excited to try new foods that we might not try otherwise. Meals like Greek shrimp with tomatoes, feta, and orzo, and Thai turkey lettuce cups with rice noodles. So, to get your family in on the Sunbasket fun, go to sunbasket.com/sorta today to get $35 off your first order. That's sunbasket.com/sorta for $35 off at sunbasket.com/sorta. Thank you Sunbasket. Well, I can't wait for you all to be part of everything that is coming in the new year, both for Sort of Awesome and then also for Laura and her projects that she has going on. Before we wrap up, let's do a little bit more like rapid fire some of the other questions that our listener supporters asked of us. I'm really curious to hear your answers on some of these. So Anna asked, what parts of small town, Oklahoma... Where we both find our roots, Laura, do you think you take with you everywhere, positive and or negative? Well, let me just say, I've lived in Los
1: Angeles 16 years, and every single time I meet someone new, they're like, where are you from? (laughs) So it's clear that as much as I want to be a California city girl, no, no. I take so much small town Oklahoma like, I just wear it. (laughs) It's soaked in your aura. (laughs) It is soaked into my aura, whether I like it or not. And I love it, but it's a good thing because there it is. Um, What part do I carry? I'll tell you, the very first thing that came to mind is food.
0: (gasps) Ooh, that makes sense. Definitely. I
1: cannot. I just... I don't do fancy. Like <laughs> I am still like meat and potatoes. I mean, I've evolved. I will say I have evolved. Jeff would tell you I've evolved quite a bit in my culinary tastes, but still in comparison to almost anyone else I know, I just, I prefer
0: Oklahoma food above all
1: else, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> which is
0: simple and fatty and fried. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. There's probably not a lot of fatty fried Maybe in Los Angeles and Southern California. I don't know. Not, not nearly enough.
1: <laughs> I also think I take – I have a small town sensibility still and a knee-jerk reaction, even if I have to talk myself out of, okay, that's not how I think about things anymore, but a knee-jerk things to like discipline with my kids or, you know, if someone's behavior is a little bit different, which in Los Angeles you encounter <laughs> different behaving people all the time. <laughs> yes. You know, I still have a conservative and small town mentality of like, well, that was just flat crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, listen. So there it all is. I mean, it's still definitely there. In fact, sometimes I have to like talk myself into being like, nope, that's not how we think. That's not how we think. We love everyone. Everyone is a gift from the Lord.
0: Which ironically was not something you learned growing up in small Globe. <laughs> That's right. Oh my gosh! Yeah, the quick assessment of things being flat crazy—I definitely that lurks within my soul as well. So I love it. That's hilarious. Okay, so we had a couple of questions that are kind of enneagram related, which I know personality stuff is not your favorite, Laura. So just bear with. Kendra asked, she said, I'd love to hear more about high energy versus low energy. And is that related to the Enneagram? On the Enneagram, what are you both? And how does this look in your life? Now, I personally am going to save all of my words about energy. I have a lot because we're going to talk about that more in the new year. But Candace in the supporter group, she also asked about our Enneagram types and how it plays out in our lives and relationships. So do you want to touch on this a little bit, the Enneagram part, the energy part? What are your thoughts? I
1: am an Enneagram one and I'm very, very strong one. I don't wing it or shadow side or all the thing. I don't do any of that. Like I'm a one all the time.
0: (laughs) Which is such a one thing to say.
1: (laughs) Because one is the best way to be. I didn't even know other people weren't like that. My problem with the Enneagram is... I know not everyone sees it this way, but I agree that I fit into this box that they've given me as a one. It resonates with me, everything I read about it and all of that. My problem with the Enneagram is to me, it tends towards the negative. hmm Yeah. And that isn't great. That doesn't inspire growth for me. I know that it does for others. But when I read about all the ways in which it's hard to be a one, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just have a bad reaction to that and I went and listened on some people's recommendation to some podcasts about being a one and you know because I do like that it really does fit my personality truly but it often seems to be like maybe this is just directed at the ones but it also seems to be like it's so hard to be a one (laughs) I, I don't feel that way Mm-hmm. Does it sense to me? If that's the way you are, that's the way it makes sense. Now, I, you know, I do see that there are many, many ways in which to grow and to make it better for people to experience me in a certain way. Like, it's not that I don't get it. I just, yeah, the Enneagram to me is a narrowed eyebrow occasionally, but In terms of the energy, I don't know that type ones have have any correlation to being a low energy person or a high energy person. I will say in terms of my anxiety and everything I've ever read about anxiety is that that manifests in two pretty extreme ways. You're either very high functioning, like ultra high functioning, or very, very low functioning, like where you can't get out of bed. Right. I tend to be extremely high functioning from the outside This looks amazing to others. They think you handle it all and you do all these things and, you know, your plate is full and you can multitask so well and all this. As the person who's experiencing it is, can get very, very, very unhealthy fast. Mm -hmm. And when I am my busiest is usually when I'm my unhealthiest mentally Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I've done a lot of work to not do the Energizer Bunny and to not fill my plate because that's what I do when I am very anxious is I take on everything. I throw parties. I do school projects. I volunteer. I start a new podcast. I do a blog. I email all the people. Like I am very, very Energizer Bunny in my most unhealthy place. Mm. So Mm – I have done a lot of work on myself to force rest and to say no. So that's my thought on energy. I'm also an introvert, ISFJ on Myers-Briggs, and I also identify with a lot of what ISFJs are known to be. But being an introvert, people and situations drain me. Mm -hmm. So I have to build in margin to myself to stay healthy. So if I am very, very busy for the weekend, then I really need to have a mellow Monday. Yes, Because I lived a lot of my adult life, especially since having kids, of just go, 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 crash and burn. Go, 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 crash and burn. And I would have three or four really major crash and burns per year where I would really burn out and like cry and really be having a difficult time, you know, like really, Mm -hmm. really struggling. This would happen every few months. And it was because I was in this pattern like this. And I don't want to live like that. You know, even if it looks productive from the outside, or other people find it very useful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that was a hard thing for me. My family found it quite useful, my husband and my children, that I was very productive in the times of it's not true manicness, but in the times that looked sort of like manic. But then I would absolutely crash in a way that was completely detrimental to my mental and emotional health. And so I try not to live that way anymore. You know, naturally, certain times are busier than others. If so, I build in the margin. So I don't know how all of that feeds into personality types. And I don't know how those all feed into one another, but uh, that's my story.
0: That's so good. I do. I have a lot of words on this. I do want to say that, but I want to touch on a couple of things quickly. I do think that energy is, in some ways, especially for certain types – Deeply connected to Enneagram, and we'll talk about that more on a future episode. So I'm a type nine on the Enneagram, which means that you and I are right next to each other. The Enneagram has nine types, and so nine is next to eight on one side, but one on the other. And I think it is so interesting. Type nine is the peacemaker type. Type one is the reformer type. In Myers-Briggs, there are a couple of types that are known to be naturally drawn to each other. ENFP and INTJ is one, and then ENFP and FJ is another. They are really attracted in both friendships, but also romantic relationships. In Enneagram, one of the most common pairings is nine and one. Did you know that? I did not know that, actually. I find that so interesting, and I think it is because nines... See the ability one has to get things done, especially because ones are really driven to get things done for a greater good. And that really appeals to a lot of a nine sensibility for bringing peace to a situation, to making a situation healthier or more whole. I think there's a lot of that. I think that ones may feel that nines chilled out approach to life in their pervasive belief that everything is going to be okay brings a little comfort to ones who can struggle with wondering if things are going to be okay, or if they are okay as people. I think that as just like on a, not even talking about energy or performance or anything, but just as recognizing who we are as people, that nines and ones find a lot of comfort in each other.
1: Oh, that's interesting because I have learned that, I mean, in my real life and then also reading Enneagram stuff, that not everyone is comfortable with ones. We are direct. Right. There is a clear right and a clear wrong in every situation. (laughs) And that's hard for a lot of people. And I know that our personality type can be repelling. We're not all love and light all Mm -hmm. the time. And Mm -hmm. maybe that's why it's hard for me to read Enneagram stuff is because I'm like, well, I've experienced in my own life that people are repelled by... A strong personality type, <laughs> so I just don't want to like read about it.
0: That makes sense, but you know what? I think as a nine, okay, so yeah. for ones there is a clear right and there's a clear wrong. For nines, there isn't that sense of sureness. You know, for us, we can see all of the perspectives all the time, and not just see it, but like we can understand on an empathetic level, like why even the most hardened criminal would do what they did. And so for a one to come along and be like, no, 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 that was evil and wrong and terrible. And that's, there is no discussion about it. Stop trying to justify. Like we need somebody to set that parameter in our life or else we can just spin and spin and spin. So I think that in an understanding of the world way that nines and ones balance each other out well. That's true because maybe
1: then the nine can sort of show us how to be compassionate or to see,
0: yeah. That's good. Okay. Really quickly, Tracy asked, she said, I think you all have talked around this or about this, but what parts of your life are you outsourcing? And how did you make peace with making the decision to outsource some of this stuff in your life? So I know you have areas of your life that very necessarily you have help with. So you want to speak to that a little bit? Well, I've always been very open that I have a nanny to help
1: with my children. She's a huge part of our life. She's much more than just a nanny. She has worked with Jeff for long before I showed up on the scene for 20 something years. She has helped take care of the home and then she's helped take care of our children. Her name is Sarah. She keeps me absolutely sane and I love her more than life itself. <laughs> 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 now that my children are school age and have activities and all kinds of things, you know, we have less need of a traditional nanny. I mean, I don't, I can't leave them home alone. So she is helpful. In some ways, but, you know, they don't have to be like eagle eye watched either. However, just having an extra set of hands around our home on the weekdays is absolutely crucial to our very chaotic and non-consistent life. So Mm. Jeff's work is very inconsistent. So is mine. Our travel schedule is a lot. So anyway, having like a very steady, helpful person in our life is huge. It is helpful i feel like having sarah makes me a better mom and a better human i encourage anyone to get help with the parts of their home life that take away from from everything else if they're able
0: i think that's the key to the making peace with outsourcing is to understand that it is not like you're relinquishing something or that you're giving up on something that you're actually bringing along a support to help you do better in all of the areas absolutely We've started outsourcing some of the editing for Sort of Awesome, which I was so reluctant to do. And now I am so thankful that we do because it frees me up. I do still have, you know, sort of editorial oversight on every episode, of course, but it frees me up to be more creatively directed instead of having all of the editing. And we've outsourced some other back-end things. So hard for me to do. But there, I think sometimes it's not about making peace, maybe even on the front end of it. Sometimes you're just like, you get to a desperate place where you're like, I have to have some help. And then you find peace on the other side. Oh, peace is
1: definitely on the other side. Like, to me, when I, the word outsourcing, which I absolutely know what she means by that, but like, it's not like I'm outsourcing my parenting by having a nanny. Right. Although someone who has never had that might think that. However, like, if you're really struggling, let's say you get some help with your kids for a few hours a day, I guarantee you there will be peace on the other side of that.
0: All the struggle
1: comes before you make that decision.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, one last question before we go. I think this is a perfect way to end your last regular episode. Here is sort of Awesome. How has this is from Erica. She wanted to know how has sort of Awesome changed you? Is there a piece of advice you've implemented? Stories that stays with you? Is your everyday life different now that you have sort of Awesome on the brain? Yes,
1: and yes and yes to all of those things. <laughs> constantly thinking of show ideas or ways to make the show better or ways to promote the show or what we should do. But that was just an extension of what I thought for my blog life. I've always sort of thought, not always, but, you know, for 10 years now have thought in terms of creating content for an audience. So that part was already there. The two things that Sorta Awesome has changed at me the most is realizing how much I enjoy and how good it is for me to collaborate I do so much on my own before it was blogging and writing and all of that kind of thing. And then also in our house, I do a lot of stuff by myself. Like I solo parent a lot with my husband travels and, and blah, blah, blah. I do a lot of stuff being the only person in charge. Collaborating has been amazing. I can't believe I didn't do it before. With people that you can trust, is it's just huge. And then two, the biggest thing… That I feel like we could all say, but I really encourage anyone to do is finding my literal voice, like using Mm. my actual vocal cords and the words that come out of my mouth. Yes. Without like planning. (laughs) (laughs) Has been... Just all all the things. It's been a creative exercise. It's been intellectually stimulating. It's been a, a huge growth tool just in my life of like how I speak, how I communicate and make a point, how I use humor, how i in conversation with someone. Like some of those things are on the personal level. Some of those things are on a professional level. But actually using my voice after years and years of only writing, it's made my writing better. It's just made all of my, like, articulation better, even when I'm, like, talking with someone on Voxer or a friend or my husband, like, to be like, oh, I feel like I can wrap this point up. You know, it's like, it's like debate class, only without the debate. But, you know, like, having to be concise and clear about what you're stating is like a life skill.
0: Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) It's a literal life skill, Laura. It's a literal life skill. (laughs) That is the perfect way to end this episode. And we have covered a lot of ground today. A lot, a lot, a lot. So I know people are going to have follow-up and went to chat with us about the things that we've covered in this episode. And they're just going to want to be able to make sure they know how to connect with you because you're not leaving online work or online life at all. So remind everybody where we can find you all around the web. I am, will definitely still be around.
1: I am on Twitter as Laura Tremaine, Instagram, my favorite place as Laura.Tremaine, and And I still will continue to write my secret posts. This is an email that goes out regularly with recommendations of what to read, where, listen to. I love to recommend things. It's my favorite thing. You can sign up for the secret posts or find me all around the web
0: by going to lauratremaine.com. Okay. Don't forget, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at sort of awesome Meg. You can find the show over on Twitter at sort of awesome Pod, and you can find us anytime on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta of Awesome was created by me, Megan Teets, and is produced each week in collaboration with Kelly Gordon, Rebecca Hoffer, and Laura Tremend. Visit us on the web at sortaawesomeshow.com, of where you can sign up for the show's newsletter connect with the sorta awesome community and find show notes for each episode of sorta awesome music is provided by the band progger find out more at progermusic.com we'll meet you back here next time as we discover explore and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome